This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. There's this incredible truth in that. I call the ingredients for miracle. I think it's this amazing truth in this particular passage here. Uh, Mark, it's Mark chapter 6, um, verse 33. So the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all cities. They arrived before them and came to go to him. And Jesus, when he saw, and Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were sheep, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day, the day was now spent, his disciples came to him and said, "This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late." Send them away that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And when he commanded them to, to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass, they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples and set them before. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and of other fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. I want to go down to verse 52 because there's a connection with all this. Uh, that's what it follows on and we're going to look at this as we go on really, about how did Jesus kind of walked on the walls over them. And in verse 52 it says, For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Another kind of casual situation, you know, you think about it. I kind of love this idea that the disciples have thought that they were going through a time of relaxation, so they thought. And they thought it was going to be so quiet, you know, they are going to, be, going to have an amazing time of relaxation. I remember years and years ago, we went on holidays to Morecambe. How many of you have been to Morecambe? Hey! I'll pray for you afterwards. <laughs> and I don't know if we had a cabin there, and we're having a great time. And it so happened that very week, someone from out from the church were at, actually, were in Morecambe. And they brought someone to our caravan, notice this situation, who was a man who wanted to be a woman who had a fixation with Jack the Ripper. <laughs> hey, you know, they weren't my relaxation either. <laughs> and and his, his disciples, they thought, we're going to have this amazing relaxation, and suddenly, you know, Jesus was such an amazing teacher. The Bible says they. They kind of found when he was going, and they all kind of, you can just see them as the boat was coming, they were running on the side, and all the crowds gathered. If you think about it, there was no Facebook, no publicity, no flyers being sent out, 
the 5,000, I'm just talking about men, we'll come for the rest of the bit later, the 5,000 men and more gathered to hear Jesus preach. Oh, awesome. You know, the amazing thing was, he didn't just give like a kind of 30 minute sermon, he went on all day and they stopped because his words had such power, so transfixed the people, they'd rather spend time listening to the word of Jesus than taking food for themselves. Awesome. Now, when you look at this story, it kind of brings up to me the fact that how many realize that God wants to use us? Do you realize that? Mm-hmm. I think we, I don't think we totally realize how much God really wants to use us. And the insight of this miracle, really, is the fact how God used the disciples to like to bring about this miracle. And it just does, you know, I think we lose sight of how the fact that God wants to use us. When I said there were 5,000 men, when I said that, sorry about that, but actually there were ladies, you actually realize there were ladies there as well, ladies and men there, and interestingly enough, they went to get older, if you read the other gospel accounts, where did the gospel, did the, where did the fish and those come from? Well, it said from a, from a small boy. Isn't that right? It said there was a came. Interesting enough, the one that wasn't counted was the one who had the ingredients for the miracle. I love that. that fact. The fact that he says 5,000 men doesn't mention the boys or the ladies. Some theologians estimate there's probably around about 15,000 men. And it's interesting, the one that wasn't recognized, the one that seemed insignificant, or the one that wasn't made aware of, was the one who God used to perform a miracle. Yeah. I just love that thought. I just love it. But God often takes the ones the one, the most unlikeliest people, the most insignificant people, and he uses those ones to perform incredible feats. You know why he does that for? So ultimately, the glory always goes to him. Because if he was to use people who sit up it all together, then often the glory would go to the person. But God has to take the most unlikeliest people you ever think of and takes them and uses them to do amazing, incredible things for his glory. Isn't the Bible full of that? Yeah. If you look at the Bible, you look at the disciples. Naturally, how many of us were chosen as disciples? Really, seriously. God chooses the most unlikeliest people like you and I to perform the amazing things for all the glory goes to him. And what God really looks for. Really, he doesn't really look for talents. How do you realize that? He really doesn't. He doesn't look necessary for great ability. Who do you think God looks for above all else? Is simple availability. People that are just available. Almost who like Isaiah says, Lord, here am I, send me. I just unreservedly make myself totally and completely available to you. And when God finds someone who makes himself available, he's not really that concerned about the talents or the qualities or, or the quantity or, the, or the, the, the gifts, if you like. He's more saying, that person has made themselves available to me, and because that person has made themselves available to me, that's the person I'm going to use. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I was thinking about, I, I, I think about that boy's mom. You think about that boy's mom. 
She must have been a real, real amazing mother. Now think about that. She, you know, nobody else thought about the food. Except for this little boy's mother. You know, you can just see him saying, oh, you know, don't worry, mom. Oh, no, 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 you must take, must take the loaves, must take the fishes. Now make sure you take them. Oh, no, no, it doesn't mean, no, no, no. And I just love the thought that, that she was, she's, I just think, did she realise when she was kind of putting together, you know, getting his little sort of, his little kind of, what do you call his little, Pat, you know, Pat Bosses, husband, husband Pat Robert Glasses, <laughs> you know, put the loaves and the fishes in there. Did she ever realise what was going to happen? That 2,000 years later, that story would still be talked about. You'll be amazed that the things that we do, yeah. how impacted it can be. Yeah. That kind act. That, 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 that that giving that you do. You'll be amazed what simple things can have incredible, incredible impact. That deed, that utterance, that lift you gave to that person, you'll be amazed how little things that we don't think are important, things that we don't think are significant, it's amazing that God takes the small things and does incredible things for them. We just say, God, that kind of deed I did, that lift I gave to that person, that word I shared to that person, I remember the other day that someone, it's amazing I thought about this, someone said that before someone comes a Christian, there are 15 links averagely that a person has before they become a Christian. That makes 15, 15 links. In other words, so in, in, in a person's conversion, through, through all the words of conversion, there are 15 links in that conversion. Now maybe you might be link number five. Just giving that link to that person may have been linked Link number five. Maybe just doing that deed to that person was link number six. Maybe sharing with that person that seen not many people shared those words with them, that might be link number seven. The point is, as the links come together, it brings incredible influence and impact. Yeah. I just thought that what seems often insignificant to us can have an incredible impact on the people often around us. The utterances, the hospitality, I think everything matters. Now, here's what happened. The disciples, remember I said they want to they break. You know, they wanted just to relax. They wanted to sort of, you know, be on the stumbit of whatever it was. But Jesus said, they came to Jesus and thought, how are we going to feed these people? You know, we're worn out. We're, how are we going to feed these people? In other words, they said, Lord, this is a problem. How what are we going to do about this? This is really, they were saying, this is not a problem. It's not really our problem. Send them away. This is not our problem. I thought to myself, you think of all the problems of Guernsey and all the problems around. You know what we think about? We think that's their problem. Reality is, God says, that's your problem as well. Often we look at people and think, those people often, they've got almost, their problems are so big, we just don't want to take responsibility for it. Maybe a colleague at work that has such struggles. Somebody that, that part of your family is going through an incredible challenge right now. And the danger is sometimes we, we want to pull away because we don't want to see it in our problem. Send away, that's not my problem. And I think what God wants us to see is that actually he, he has placed us here to be the people that solve the problems. He's placed us here because you said to the disciples, you feed them. They've got the problem, now you go and feed them. You be the solution to the need they have. And I think God puts certain 
to sort it in our hands so that we can provide a solution to the problems that often other people are struggling with. The broken, the hurting, the people who have incredible challenges, incredible needs. God says, I want you, I want you to be a channel that I can work through to solve the problems that they are facing. Awesome. That's what that's what the bottom wants to do. We are here to be people that are channeled to meet the broken needs around us. We're the solution to the broken, the people in need, the people who are lonely. And you only realize loneliness is one of the biggest things around. And you'll be amazed just being someone who's going to spend time with someone and that can solve an incredible problem in their life. You realize that? Awesome. We are the solution. I just love that thought. We are the solution. And we are meant, I think we're meant to make the kingdom of God tangible. Meant to make it, you know, absolutely tangible. To make the kingdom of God real. To make it real. To, 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 to be the people that we show people that the good news really is good news. The gospel really is good news. Have you ever seen the film, uh, Wizard of Oz? Have you ever seen that? There's your ace coming out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder whether, if you see the wind wizard of us, I think for the first 20, 30 minutes, I've had seen for years, I've got a memory of it, it's black and white. And suddenly, at a certain point, it comes into colour. It just comes into colour, so I know that goes wrong, it goes into colour. You have to allow this. But often, the words in our Bible, in our Bible, are just black and white. <laughs> I think through our lives, and through the, 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 the channels of our lives, God takes what is black and white words, if you like, and begins to cause them to be colourful. He brings colour I just love that. We make it tangible. We make the good news alive by life. The Bible says that we are called to adorn the gospel. That we make the gospel beautiful. By our deeds, by our lifestyles, we actually make the gospel absolutely attractive and beautiful. Which, which we take, if you like, what is black and white, and we make it into an amazing, awesome technical. Isn't it technical? Or well, 3D, let's go, let's be more 3D. Now, I think sometimes that we, that we serve people who God brings into our lives. We just get excited when we serve those things that God brings into our lives. Now, we're not the answer in ourselves. You know, I think God's problem is not the working of the miracles, but people are willing to step out and engage with people that the miracle begin to happen. Now think about this, I love this thought. That the miracle began actually with a recognition of what they have. That's where it began. It really began with this sense, this is what we have. I think sometimes we're so focused on what we don't have, we lose sight of what we do have. If you don't recognise what you have, how can you multiply what you have if you don't recognise what you have? And I think sometimes people don't move in the way God wants them to move because we're focused on what we don't have. We don't have this, we don't have that, so what's the point? And the disciples says, we don't have enough. And Jesus wants them to be focused, not what they had, not what they didn't have, but what they have. I think of the widow woman. She said, you know what? I don't have anything. 
And, he's, and, and remember the prophet said to her, well, go and have What do you have? Well, just got a little bit of oil. That's all I have. And he said, well, use that oil, and if you would kind of release that oil, then I will multiply what you have. And I think this, I think we'd be amazed if we really look at what we really have. If we find out what we have and use it, then God begins to multiply. Maybe it's a baby cake, not maybe a baby, baby cake. Maybe you can make a car. Maybe you are an amazing person of hospitality and you cook amazing meals. Maybe you're just a good listener. You can just listen, you're a good listener. In other words, you take what you have and God begins to use what you have. Instead of knowing what we don't have, we use what we have. We start with what we've got. And we say, God, this is what I've got, and I make it available to you. It doesn't seem that big. It doesn't seem that great. But what I'm willing to do, God, is to give it to you, and I'm asking you that you'll use the little that I have, and God begins to multiply it. You have some of the greatest ministries on the face of this earth. Began not massively, it began often in small ways. How many of you remember Billy Graham? You know where he began? Do you think he began preaching for thousands? No. He began with just a small Sunday school group. That's where he began in ministry. Sometimes, as we're willing to do the small things, it's amazing that God can take that and multiply and cause it to grow. In a way that we never thought possible. Just think, what have I got? Think of what have I got in my hand? What can God use? And when we've got, I just make it available to you. And watch it be multiplied, watch it grow, watch it expand, watch amazing things come from it. Look at verse 39, verse 40. It says here, Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups. On the green grass. So he sat down in ranks hundreds and fifties. When we had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed it, he broke the loaves and gave it to his disciples, set them before the two fishes divided among them all. The first thing Jesus does, he positions them. I used to think sometimes that sometimes you have to, you know, that, that nothing can be earned. The point, it wasn't they were earning it, they were positioning themselves for miracles. Praying, fasting, the Word of God, all those things are not so that you can earn things from God. They are there to position yourself for God to move. There's certain things you've got to put in position for God to do the miracle. There's certain things that God requires of us. Steps of obedience, and those steps of obedience in themselves are there not to earn the blessing, but to position yourself for God to work and God to bless. I mean, to do that. And he says, sit down. Why do you think he told him to sit down? How many of you right now, would you go to a restaurant and not expect a meal? Is that true? If I'm saying, but if I said to you, I want to take you out to a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> it's a prophetic word. I'll wait for a minute You say to me after the meeting, I want to take you to a restaurant. When I get to there, and you don't order any food. I mean, what's that about? It'd be like pretty weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's what Jesus did. 
He's saying, sit down in groups of 50 or 100, you know why? Because I want you to expect something. And the first often position for a miracle is expectancy. If you don't expect a miracle, then you're not going to see one. It all begins with expectancy. I just see more and more that, that God wants us to be so amazed by who He is that we have an expectancy in our heart that nothing is too difficult for Him. And the reason why Jesus positioned them in that way was because He wanted them to be expectant for what was about to happen. And I think one of the things that enemy attacks is expectancy. He wants you to have expectancy. How can we come into the presence without anticipation that God will manifest His presence? Every time I read Hebrews 11, when I see all the heroes of the faith, there's one common denominator by every single one of those people. You know what it was? They expected God to do something. And I believe expectancy is so vital. To allow God to move. Expectancy is the, is the channel on which God flows through. And this is what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus looked up into heaven. He's expect, that's where his expectancy was. He looked up into heaven. And he said, Father, bless these rose and these fish. That's where his expectancy was. He looked up to heaven. If your expectancy is in people, you're going to be disappointed. If your expectancy is in your circumstances, you're going to be disappointed. If your expectancy is in your feelings, you're going to be disappointed. But when your expectancy is in heaven, then you're not going to be left out. Amen? Amen. And so Jesus looked up and says, that's where my expectancy is. He looked up into heaven. That's the key. Our expectancy comes where you are focused. Where you're looking at. You know, I actually looked up the word to look. And actually what it means, the word look means to gain your sight, to see the situation through God's perspective. Looking to your source. Now I found that very important, particularly when you pray for people, when you pray for the sick. If you look at yourself, you look at what you have, what's going to happen fear is going to shut you down. So when you face something, if you look at yourself and your own resources, your own ability, fear will shut it down. You just close it down. You'll be an operator in, in that realm. But if you just keep your focus, and I can't see I'm just saying, Jesus, I'm just your channel, I'm just your channel. And I just constitute myself as a channel that he works through. And when I kind of focus that way, I see a greater move of the Spirit because I know my source isn't me. If it's me, I'm in trouble. But if my source is in God, then anything could happen and it probably Will. Because I think what the enemy does, he works in the power of destruction. You know, we found our grandson Levi. You know, when he wants to do something, we here, we found this incredible power in destruction. You know, what about that? He shows another toy, or he shows something else. Oh yeah, well, and he went to that, and he forgets all about that. And that's what the enemy does with us. He gets you so distracted that you lose sight of your source. You're looking at your problem. You're looking at other things, your circumstances, your feelings. And those things that the enemy uses to distract you from looking at the true source of your miracle. And Jesus wants you to look at the source, which is him. Because when you look at the source, 
that amazing things begins to work. Amazing things begins to happen. Can I say, Jesus takes the lows and the fishes. He blesses actually what is enough. He blesses what isn't enough. Until you can be thankful for something that's not enough, you'll never see more perfection. When you say, Lord, that job, that job is not the one I want. That house is not the one I want. Maybe that marriage is not what I expected it to be, for I lift it up and I thank you for it. And as he began to thank God for the little he had, multiplication happened. And when you begin to thank God for what you do have, then amazing things begin to happen. You know, the Hebrew word for bless is the Hebrew word barak, which means to speak God's intention or something. To speak God's intention. And I think true blessing comes when you speak over something or you speak over someone and describe not the way they see themselves, but describe the way that God sees them. That's what it means to bless. To, to actually declare God's perspective on that person. In other words, I think it is prophetic insight. You begin to see the way of someone or something, not as it is, but as it's supposed to be. You see, anybody can see it and speak it the way it is. Is that true? Prophetically comes when you begin to speak something the way God sees it. Have that. You had a prophetic word. That word was so powerful because someone spoke into your life. They saw something in you that you never saw yourself. And you felt your heart kind of rising and breathing to And that's what God does. God brings out things in you that you don't see in yourself. That's the prophetic power of God's word. God's speaking things over you that you don't see yourself. God has incredible insight for you. Isn't that wonderful? And through his word, through the prophetic, he begins to release what's already there that nobody else sees. God speaking over your life, seeing things in you that you never see in you. That's what God does. He sees things in every one of us this morning that we never see in ourselves. That God, through various ways, begins to cause that to rise up and happen. Let me think about this. The bread was multiplied. As Jesus broke it. I think this was incredible power and blessing in the breaking. Mm-hmm. The most blessed people I've ever seen in life. People that I've seen God use in amazing ways are often being the most broken people. Mm-hmm. I've often seen that the people of God does amazing things with are not necessarily the people I know altogether but the people who've gone through a lot of breaking in life. There's something about the brokenness that enables God to do things in people's lives. Now that means, that means everything that hits my life has the potential to bring incredible blessings. It's how I react to it, how I respond to it. Every betrayal, every stabbing in the back, every Every kind of trial and tribulation that gets our way has the potential to bring incredible blessing. Because it's through those things that God begins to break us. And the blessing and the multiplication is not in the wholeness, it's 
in the right And God wants you to see right now some of the things you're going through right now. Maybe painful, maybe go through a period of breaking. But that breaking has the potential to bring incredible blessing in your life. Incredible blessing begins to be released in your life. And no matter what brokenness you go through, I'm so amazed that God activates things in the midst of breaking. I don't even know why. I can look back at times of breaking my own life. I can say, Lord, thank you for that period of breaking. It's where the greatest blessing of my life began. I think, Lord, there's things in me that, that needed to break. I didn't even think about that. There were barriers, there hindrances, there things in me that were stopping you from doing what you want to do. And I needed to go through that to have that thing broken in me. To have the pride broken. To have the self-dependence broken. To have the self-reliance broken. It's through the breaking the miracle of blessing begins to happen. It says in verse 42, I don't know what that's right here. It says that they were all heads and they were filled. Look at all the they were filled. Now, Angie's an amazing cook. Go say that, I'm leaving that with But, <laughs> you know, she was probably around about six people each, each day, six people a day. And the amazing thing is, there's not a, left, there's not a, a lot left over. Because a, a good cook really kind of seems to sort of Recognize them as the people are there and over. I remember once I used to cook spaghetti by the name of there. And then we had tons of spaghetti over. It was just all over. It was almost never ended. Like multiplication of spaghetti or spaghetti. It just never seemed to end. It was just tons and tons of spaghetti over. Not a rubbish cook. A good cook can actually, he knows, they know how to specialize with the amount they have. Okay, so it's not right. So here's the question. How many would say that you, anyone believe God got it wrong? No. Hold on. Uh, did God miscalculate how many people were here? Because we're told there were 12 baskets full of full affluence. You know what that tells me? That everything God does is always more than enough. Yeah. Everything he does is always in fullness. See, he's El Shaddai, not El Chifo. You know what I mean? <laughs> El Shaddai means that he's more than enough. And everything God does, he does in fullness. What does God do things in fullness? Because God wants you to overflow because out of your overflow is for somebody else. Yeah. See, overflow, if it's just, if it's just filled, it's just you. But when it's an overflow, when it's spilling over, God pours overspill in your life, so it touches somebody else. That's always God's intention. Whatever he does for you, he wants you to use it to touch somebody else. He fills you to overflow, so as he fills you to overflow, that you impact and touch somebody else in your life. Now go down to verse 40, up in verse 42. This is really as a close, as a kind of prayer. Uh, sorry, verse 43. And they took all the twelve baskets full of fragments and the fish. Now I want to go down to also to verse 45. Now I want to see. But after we see, you know, everyone's supposed to come down. You get the baskets, you get the you get all the baskets and they're overfilled all full. And we call it, and that's the end of the story. But actually, what follows on actually carries on to what we've already seen. We often think that's the end of the story, but no. Because Jesus, after, afterwards, that 
They didn't understand the breaking of the laws and traditions of Isaiah. And this is really powerful because anyone has seen this amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000 or whatever, all the fish in, then they gather all the fragments, they put the fragment in the basket and they take the basket with them on the boat. Okay? Here's what you to see. The Bible says that Jesus compelled them. He says in the he compelled them to get into the boat. They're fishermen. They know that this has the possibility that there is a storm coming. The time that they were going was at night. That's not a good time to go. And the Bible says that Jesus compelled them. Look, he was pushing them to do something. They weren't really kind of, you know, really, should we say, wanting to really do. It was done last sometimes. Someone's compelled you to do something. And, but because you know they're particularly good at it, then you kind of trust their word. I remember years ago, we had one in Liverpool. We had this, we had a, a doctor there. He was a, he was a surgeon. And at the time, I had asthma. Believe it or not, I got actually healed with the asthma. I had the asthma at the time. And he, he actually made me run. He was made me go downstairs. And I used to think to myself, well, he's a surgeon. He's a doctor. Surely he knows what he's doing. And that is what kept me going. Just this sense, he's a doctor, and surely he knows what he's doing. Then I wasn't quite sure he did. He didn't know what he was doing. And then it's Jesus. He's forced them, compelling them to get into birds. And as they expected, a storm suddenly comes. This storm suddenly hits the boats. And would say that the feeding of the 5,000 is to prepare them for the storm that is about to come. I think God will send a storm, and you never know what you really believe until you get into the storm. You see, you never really know you believe something when everything's going well. The issue is whether you really believe it when you see contrary circumstances what you're facing. And here now, they fed the 5,000. Let's see if they really believe what they saw. Because now they're about to enter a storm. And this is what they do about. Why then did they have the baskets? They feel like the, the what was left over from the feeding of the five scraps and put that on. What were the scraps there? The scraps were there to remind them of what God did. So when the storm came along, they could look at the scraps and say, hold on here, he fed the 5,000, so this is a storm too difficult for him. And I think in life we pick up scraps, if I can put it that way. We have a healing. We have a need being met. We have a, a, a deliverance of a really hot circumstance. I think those are scraps that God wants you to carry with you, that when you face another storm, you know if he carried you out of that storm, he's going to bring you out of this one. But what he did then, he's going to do again. And he wants you to keep those things in your heart, to pop them, to, to keep them there in your heart. They are scraps for you to keep when you face challenges, when things around you seem to be conquered, and you can look and say, actually, I remember when God delivered me out of that. I remember when God met a need in that situation. That's a scrap I've kept. If he did it then, I really believe that he can do it again. Think about this. So here they are in the boat. The storm is about. And Jesus comes to them. But this time he's walked on the water. 
And the Bible says they didn't recognize him in that form, that way. And they said they thought he was because they didn't recognize his form. They recognized him as the one that multiplied the fish, but they didn't recognize him as the one that walked on the water. Incidentally, I would have thought the very thing was out to store, the very thing was out to sink them. And I think sometimes the situations don't change because we don't invite Jesus into the situation. There is a point I'm getting to. The Bible says, but they didn't understand the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 because their hearts were hard. Where did the miracle happen? It went out in the attic in their hands. Jesus says, you give it up. And as they were distributing it, a miracle began to happen. But their heart hardened. Why was that? Because they lost sight that God used them to perform a miracle. I sometimes wonder sometimes, often through disappointments or discouragements, our hearts can harden against the supernatural workings of God. Our hearts can be so hardened to it. Because even though we can see from times past that God has worked in our lives, we, as things happen in life, our hearts will begin to harden. And a hardened heart can never truly see the miracles what God wants to do. And so Jesus reminds them, they come. You know, really, they missed it. We're told certain foods, you can eat certain foods, and, yeah. Every, every, you know, a couple of rubbish foods for five minutes, but there's no nutrients to it. It just kind of goes through our body. There's absolutely no nutrients. It, we don't absorb the nutrients, but there's no nutrients to absorb. And it's almost like these disciples. They saw the miracle, but really they didn't absorb it into their heart. They never got a hold of it. Because it's not really about the, the action itself. They lost sight of the God of miracles. Because every miracle is meant to lead you to God Himself. You get a miracle of provision, it's meant to lead you to the God of provision. Yeah. You get a miracle of healing, it's there to lead you to the God of healing. If you get a, a deliverance, it's meant to lead you to the God of deliverance. Everything God does is all about leading you to a greater knowledge and a greater encounter of who He is, His presence, who He is, the character and the person of God. And the disciples, they saw the miracle, but they never really saw the person of the miracle. And so they're hard time. Why was that? So when they face a storm in life, they have actually rebuked the storm. Because, because the miracle took place in their hands. And they could have dealt with that storm in pain. But because their hearts were hard, they never recognized the feeling of the five thousand. Never saw the loaves of the fishes. Never saw the examples, the fragments, the right lefties. They lost sight and they panicked and they got full of fear. And that's what happens when we lose sight. That he is the God of miracles. Mm-hmm. Never lose sight of it. Hold on to it. Let it be in your heart. Refuse to be resistant to the miracle working God. Mm-hmm. Let's just stand for a moment.
Just stand so I don't know where you are today, maybe you're a situation where you need the God of miracles to come into a situation like that. I just believe the Lord wants to remind you of the fragments. Some of the fragments were there, but the fragments remind you of what He's going to pass. That's kind of fish eggs, if you like. The crumbs are there. They're there to remind you that for every, every crumb there is to remind you that God is the God of fresh things and new things. He's the God who wants you to flow goodness to live in our life. I think there's two things that can harden our hearts to miracles. When we lose sight of what God said, and we lose sight of who we are. Those are the two things that cause the heart to be hard to what God wants to do. When we lose sight of what God said, and we lose sight of who we are. When you see what He said, and you recognize who you are, then you always need potential for God to move in your situation somehow. Just lift your heart to your mind. How many glad that God who fed the five thousand? Mm-hmm. The same God that works on your behalf. Mm-hmm. He's the same one. He's the same Jesus. The same Jesus that did that. The same Jesus that is in you right now. And the same Jesus who works on your behalf. Right now, maybe you maybe right now you need to a miracle intervention in your life in a situation. Watch out right now in God. See. There's no circumstances, no situation too hard for you to turn around. Lord, we want to worship you today. That you do not change. You are the same today, yesterday, today, forever. And so, Lord, we thank you that the same Jesus that, that multiplied the loaves and the fishes is the same Jesus that can work and move in our life today. Thank you what you did then, you're able to do today. Yeah. Thank you for every circumstance, every situation, yeah. for every storm that people face right now. Lord. Thank you that you more, are more than sufficient, mm-hmm. that you are more than able. Our God is able to yeah. do even more than what we imagine and want. We thank you today that you are able today. We look at your, your ability, Lord, right now. Oh, yeah. And we look to you today, the one that multiplies, the one that works, the one that moves, yeah. the one that does miracles. And I thank you for every situation, every circumstance today. Those people lift their hearts to you. Thank you, that Lord, that you are our source today. Lord, you are the source. And we, as we look to our source, we thank you that nothing is impossible for them that believe. In your mighty name, hallelujah. Let me pray this morning that you start to pray for you. So if you pray for anything today, that's touched your heart in your situation, in circumstances, so you start to pray for this morning. Let's spend a few moments just worship right now. Him. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.